Thank you for listening to this gospel resource from Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. Feel free to use or share this resource, but we ask that you not alter the content in any way. For more information about Cornerstone Baptist Church, please visit us at cornerstonewiley.org. Well, I'm excited to get to chapters 8 and 9. We didn't finish last week's notes, but I think that's okay. We're uh, Solomon... Is that too loud, Sir Lee? Keep good. Never been accused of being too loud, have you, brother? No? <laughs> Is it too loud? You think that'll do it? If it's too loud, you're too old, right? <laughs> <laughs> used to be the same. <laughs> okay. We're the door closed. Okay. Maybe we're not old enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, let's pray and we'll, we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be before you as your people, to come before your word. We thank you for your word that you've given to us, this written word that you've <clears throat> left for us and protected for us. We thank you for it. And we thank you for the wisdom that you give to your people uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ and by the work of your Spirit. So we pray to, today that you would enlighten uh, the eyes of our understanding of our hearts that we would know more of you and more of your ways. We may delight in you and rejoice in you. I thank you for each person that's in the room and perhaps the others that will come. I pray you would give them your peace and blessing and grace and meet their needs today through your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, what I was saying is that we, we're not going to go back and finish the, the lesson from last week. That was chapters 5 through 7, which was all about uh, sexual immorality. And, and he covers the same thing, kind of cyclical over and over again, which is good. But I think we got enough of that uh, last week. So this week we are at the end of the introduction of uh, of the introduc introduction of uh, Proverbs, I'll just read this little statement that I have for you to get us started. Proverbs chapters 8 and 9 bring us to the end of Solomon's introduction to the book of Proverbs. They serve as a launching pad to enter chapters 10 through 31, where we encounter the hundreds of Proverbs uh, that we used to think of as Proverbs, the pithy sayings. Chapter 8 is a summation of all Solomon has taught about wisdom in chapters 1 through 7. Chapter 9 is his final appeal to choose wisdom over folly. Uh, I was talking to uh, Cheyenne earlier, just really appreciating good biblical scholarship. Uh, some of it's a little bit technical, but I just appreciate these uh, these scholars that have studied this book uh, so with so in, with such in depth, uh, and these are good evangelical scholars have a high view of scripture. It means so much to me that that um, we have that insight. We can see uh, structure to the book, and it just makes the book, uh, the Book of Proverbs, so much more beautiful to me than I thought about it before. And I, I think we'll see some of that uh, today. So let's look at. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8 and we can't look at every detail but there's some really good 
uh, good things in this chapter. So you see verses 1 through 11 is the concept that uh, wisdom is available to everyone. And then verses 1 through 3, we see that wisdom calls out in all the arenas of life. Uh, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way at the crossroads she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portals she cries aloud and so look at all the different places wisdom is crying out in, uh, in the, along the way at the crossroads and the gates at the entrances and I think it just says here that what that means to us is that wisdom has something to say about everything and uh, what's a crossroads? What do you have to do with a crossroads? Make a decision. Have to make a decision. Like a Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, that's a Yogi Berra proverb. Okay. Well, but uh, in that part of what wisdom is, wisdom gives us insight and understanding when we come to those crossroads, when we come to a, a time of, of decision. Well, verses 4 and 5 um, she calls out to all men, but especially uh, the naive, the, the simple ones, and uh, the fools. I don't know if you remember weeks ago, back in chapter 1, we saw the same thing, where Solomon says, this is how I'm writing this to, I'm writing it to all men, but particularly <clears throat> to the naive, the simple, they, they've not yet chosen their path, they're, they're still naive and simple but then also to the fools that are going down the wrong path, he's writing this, uh, this book. And then, uh, verses 6 through 9, I'd like to, for somebody to read that for us, Proverbs 8, 6 through 9. Who will, who will read that? Okay, Cheryl, thank you. Um, Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> well, look at the wonderful words that are described here, how Proverbs speaks. And if you remember last week, we looked at the whole idea of speech and how it can be the first, the first connection in a in a uh, disordered relationship uh, between a man and a woman. And we're going to, in fact, I, uh, many of you have given me your voting for the for the uh, topics we're going to cover over the next few weeks. And uh, the tongue and words are just right at the top of that list. So we're probably going to do that next uh, next week. And that's such a huge each topic of good words, bad words, healthy words, harmful words, and uh, we'll, we'll enjoy looking at that. But uh, wisdom speaks, and just look at, the, look at the beautiful words that she speaks noble things, and what is right, uh, truth, uh, righteous, uh, righteous words. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing wicked, there's nothing twisted or crooked about the words of wisdom. They are straight and they are right to those who find knowledge. Um, what is wisdom? When you hear those kinds of descriptions of words, what is that? 
remind you of? What is what words is she speaking of here? Not explaining my question very good. Well, this is well. Look back at Psalm 19, and Psalm 19 is an amazing um, parallel. to what we're seeing here in the book of Proverbs. <laughs> so down at uh, Psalm 19, verses 7 and following. So think of the words we just have heard and now look at what um, David is saying here about the, the word of God, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. And well, look at that, making wise the simple. So here's here's the message of Proverbs right here, uh, spoken through David about the Word of God. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And we're going to see in a few minutes uh, a parallel to verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the, the drippings of the honeycomb. When you read the whole rest of that passage and realize that there's a beautiful um, congruity, continuity between what wisdom says and what the Word of God says. And of course, that's obvious to it, isn't it? That wisdom is seeing life through the lens of, of uh, Scripture. Can anybody think of uh, Philippians 4.8? I haven't memorized that, but I think I should. Whatever is... You might know that. Craig? I don't know at all. Just good and beautiful. And yeah, words like this, aren't they? Anybody got that memorized? Or? <laughs> okay, like, can you remember what it says? No. All right. Well, since we talked about it, we probably ought to read it. And finally, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, now think about these things. So the same kind of concepts there. Uh, to have in our mind and in our, in our hearts. So these are the things that wisdom um, is saying to us. And so she is, um, she's talking about the, the availability of wisdom of herself. She's talking here about the quality of wisdom and the integrity of her words. And then look at the next, uh, the next thing in verses 10 and 11. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. So, um, we're going to see here in a few minutes just the enduring value of wisdom. You know, these days we think uh, maybe the the U.S. dollar doesn't have enduring value, but we think gold and silver and some of those things might. So some of us may have a little bit of that thinking, well, this is going to endure. But, but Solomon says and wisdom says, no, those things don't endure.
but wisdom does endure. We'll, we'll see that again in a few minutes. Look at, at the end of, or the, the middle of, uh, the second part of verse 11. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Now this bring us back again to realizing that uh, one of the central issues in wisdom are the desires of our heart. This is really a heart issue and desires that are um, that are in our heart. We already looked at that verse. Uh, Keep your heart with all diligence, with all vigilance. Hey, folks, come in. Um, so just a reminder to us about the desires of our heart. I was thinking about that uh, today. Do you ever have desires come flooding out of your heart that you wish weren't there? We're not, we're not going to call for a public confession. I've but, moments. <laughs> sir? I've moments. Yeah, we do. That's right, yeah. All day. They do, don't they? And uh, the whole point of the new covenant is that God has given us a new heart and our desires should be aligned with, uh, with His. So we ought to evaluate and measure the desires of our heart and, uh, and put to death those things, those desires that come out and ask God to give us the desires of, our, of His heart. I think about uh, Philippians, no, Colossians 3. Uh, if you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on things that are above. Um, the King and the King James, the King James says, "I look at my King James friend over here, Ron." The King James says, "Set your affection on things that are above." I think the the the, the better translation, maybe more accurate translation, is "set your mind." But what we set our mind on is what we love and what we have affection for. So. Um, so Solomon is saying, or wisdom is saying here, whatever desire you may have, it, there's no way it could compare to wisdom that God will give to you. Um, well, then verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge uh, and discretion. Interestingly, that... Uh, these three things, prudence, knowledge, and discretion, are exactly the same three words that wisdom uh, uses to describe itself, herself, or that Solomon uses to describe wisdom back in chapter 1. These three words, prudence, oops, prudence, knowledge, and uh, discretion. I tried to understand what the word prudence means. It can, the Hebrew word, it can have a positive and a negative dimension to it. Um, it, it can't, on a negative dimension, it can be crafty. In fact, it's a word that describes the serpent in Genesis 3 about he was the most crafty of the, of the animals. But you can see that uh, on a positive side, it means uh, discerning, it means um, considering, thinking through. So wisdom gives us the, the, uh, the eyes to look at a situation and to think through it to understand what it means. So then, prudence, wisdom, and I mean, prudence, knowledge, and um, and discretion. And then we're going to see again the fear of the Lord uh, a little bit later. So we won't deal with that now. 
And then I look at verses 18 through 21. So this is that endurance that we looked at before. So would somebody read verses 18 through 21? Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, and filling their treasuries. Okay, so now wisdom is talking here about the fruitfulness of wisdom, the uh, kind of the return on investment. See those words he uses in agricultural uh, idea there about fruitfulness. But then um, in verse 19, well, verse 19, the first half is fruit. The second half is yield Then choice silver. This is a financial word. So if you invest in me, I'm going to give you a greater return than, um, than even an investment in silver in silver uh, can. And notice what happens um, for this person if we if we have wisdom and we seek after wisdom, then verse 21 says, I will grant you an inheritance and fill their treasuries. So if we seek after wisdom, not only do we have the immediate benefit from that, but the fruit of it just goes on and on and on. It's enduring and the return is even even greater. So, so far in chapter 8, because I'm eager to get to this next section. So far in chapter 8, we've seen the availability of wisdom, the quality of wisdom, and the integrity of her words. The value of wisdom um, and the endurance of its fruitfulness and investment. Okay, now let's look at this next uh, section. We, we've seen these qualities of wisdom. But now we're going to see the, I guess we should say the qualification of wisdom or the credibility of wisdom. Wisdom is, is uh, again, appealing to the audience, to the, young, to the young men and to all of us. Um, why should you listen to me? She's given us these qualities. And now she's going to give us um, maybe why I have, wisdom could say why I have credibility uh, for you to listen. And she's going to do that in two ways. They're both... Uh, they both have to do with creation. And folks, I've been trying to get my mind around this whole idea that I'm reading from these biblical scholars that, that wisdom is intricately intertwined with the order of creation. That Proverbs is really based on looking at the order of creation and ordering our lives based on, on that. And I think we're going to see that as we get into these topical studies. We're not, we're not there yet. So, so in two specific ways, we're going to see where wisdom is intertwined with creation. One is wisdom was present before the creation. Okay, so before, that's an important word. And then the other is wisdom was involved in the creation itself. So let's just, uh, we don't have to look at a lot of details here, but I just like to read the passage because it's so, so good. So let's look at verses 22 to 26. And notice the idea of before um, the creation. So 22 to 26, we'd like to read that for us. Uh, thank you. 
The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depth, I was brought forth, when there was no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. Okay, thank you. So, what is wisdom saying about her credibility to speak to people here? What's the what's the characteristic that she always been here? She's got a long view, doesn't she? Um, but that's why young people should listen to old people. <laughs> right? They don't seem to get that, but... Uh, I'm not so sure that old people the case. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Elaine? Okay. So, he's, so wisdom is speaking to the, to the young and the naive that don't know. And I think she's saying... Look, I've got the long view. I've been here a long time. I can see things that you can't see. Have you heard the statement? It's not what children don't know. It's what they don't know that they don't know. That's true about all of us, isn't it? I think about uh, our little uh, two-year-old granddaughter. She doesn't know that the street is dangerous. So sometimes it's startling to her that her mother or grandmother or me, we would when we see her going toward the street, we get really animated about that because she's walking in the danger. She doesn't see the danger. She doesn't know there's danger there. So, uh, the interesting point I want us to think about, we've, we, a few weeks ago we talked about Christ as our wisdom. And so I want us to think for a few minutes about uh, how wisdom and Christ are similar and then how they are, uh, how they are different. So, now, wisdom and Christ are similar, both existed before creation and were instruments of creation. Can anybody quote John 1 1? I have to get started. In the beginning was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and without Him was not. Anything made that was made. So boy, we see all that wrapped up and more uh, in that just that first uh, that first idea that wisdom uh, was before creation, and now we see in John one one that that Christ was there, the Word was there before creation. So of course John is hearkening back to Genesis one one. That's you know in the beginning, before the beginning. Let's see Colossians one sixteen is beautiful also. Uh, Christ is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. So he's the instrument of creation, like wisdom. In heaven and on earth, um, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him uh, and for him. So we're already beginning to see not only the similarities, but some of the differences in wisdom in, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know uh, this idea of type and uh, anti-type? So this is a little technical, but I think you'll appreciate it when you see it's all over the scripture. So um, in this case, we could say that wisdom is a type of Christ. 
like uh, David is a type of Christ. David, the King David, he's a type of Christ. Uh, so what is this type, anti-type? Uh, oh, my uh, wife, not much anymore, but she likes to do uh, stamping up stuff, you know? Uh, so this is a, uh, there's a, a uh, butterfly, but that stamp there is the anti-type. And the picture is the type. Okay? Now, um, a, a real, for me, a really clear way to see that is a machine uh, that we used to use called a typewriter. You know what a, a, a typewriter writes what? It writes types. We have an old royal typewriter, it's in our attic. And sometimes I go up there with Sawyer and he sees this old metal, weighs about 40 pounds. And uh, he likes to hit on the keys. And when he does, the anti-type hits the, hits the, uh, you know, the plate and it puts a, puts a type on the, on the paper. Okay, you follow that? So, so wisdom is the type. Christ is the anti-type. And this is usually the kind of things we see in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we see all kinds of types of Christ. And then in the New Testament, we see that he's the, he's the one that actually struck the, uh, the... The word anti-type actually means striking. It means making the, making the type. And that doesn't quite, you don't quite grasp all that. It's okay. I've been working on it for 40 years, and I still have to think through what it, uh, what it means. But the point is... Uh, if you, I think I have a note there for you. Um, now Christ is greater than Lady Wisdom. The anti-type fulfillment is always greater than the type. Now you follow that? The anti-type, the fulfillment of the type is always greater. So David's the type, but the fulfillment is Christ is always greater. Uh, another example is uh, a record and a master record. The master record is the type, not the anti-type, and the record is what it's pressed into, and it does the uh, it does the uh, inversion of anti-type. Okay, good. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of them, I'm assuming, but that's that's good. All right, so so let's look at this concept here. If the anti-type is greater, always greater than the fulfillment, then how is Christ greater than? Uh, wisdom in the Old Testament, particularly with, with regard to creation. God in the flesh. Okay, he's the incarnate God in the flesh. Uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, and so, wisdom. Uh, there's been all kinds of interesting thoughts about what wisdom is. Uh, the pagan religions and, and other pagans would say, oh, this is uh, the goddess Sophia. You know, the Greek word for wisdom is Sophia. This is the goddess of, of wisdom. This is Sophia. The, New Te the Old Testament doesn't present her that way. The Old Testament presents wisdom as an attribute of God, of a tool that God uses. But in the New Testament, um, he's not an Christ is not an attribute of God. He is divine himself. He is the Son of God. Well, he's the Son of God, but he's also uh, God himself. John 1.1. 1, 1. Let's do that one again. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. So, wisdom is not God, but, this, but Christ is God. What about his relationship uh, to the creation? Wisdom was an instrument of creation. How is Christ related to the creation? He made all things. Yeah, he was the he was the instrument. And why were all things made, Russ? For his glory. For his glory. He. Uh, let's see. What does it say? Colossians. Um, for all things were created. For all things in heaven and earth, uh, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. The, the creation wasn't put in place for wisdom. Wisdom may have been an instrument of creation, but the creation was, uh, was made for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the Son. And then the other one that's really beautiful, I think, we haven't, haven't quoted the scripture, but in Colossians 1.20, we've been quoting Colossians 1.16, and Colossians 1.20 says, and uh, he will reconcile all things to himself. So this is beautiful, isn't it? The Son is the agent of, the, of creating all things, and because of the fall and sin, it's gotten all out of distortion, but he's also the one that's going to redeem it and bring it all back into place. So he's much greater than uh, and wisdom. Okay, any other thought or thing about that? Right, let's look now at the next part. <clears throat> so not only was wisdom before creation, but she's also involved uh, in the creation. And this is just, uh, and, and not only involved, but wisdom was there when God created all things and in some ways used wisdom to do that. But notice what she says in verses 27 uh, through uh, uh, maybe through 29. Notice what wisdom observed in the creation. I'll, I'll read it for us. Notice this specific aspect of it. When uh, Proverbs 8:27, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. So what was it that when she was there and saw God create the universe, what, did, what was it about it that she saw? It's, a, it's mentioned about five times in these verses. What was the, the unique uh, or the, the observation that she made about how God created the world? The whole universe for that matter. Okay, well, I know you know, so I'll help you say it. Um, uh, think, just think about Genesis. Uh, God created the light and the darkness. He created the dry ground and uh, the seas. So the point is, the way God, so the point is he brings, he brought order to the creation by making boundaries and distinctions. 
And that's the point that that uh, wisdom is saying here. I saw God do all of that. He brought order by dividing and separating. So what wisdom has been saying to us, what she's going to be saying to us, is that in the same way that God brings order to his creation, then it's understandable that life has the same kind of order. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is looking at creation, seeing the order there, and then following the contour of life with the order that he's put into our uh, in, into the, into human life. Um, so this this idea of separation and distinction. What, what's another real clear separation he made when it came to he, the creation of humanity? He made them male and female. So do we need another parable of what's happening today? Or you confuse all that? And that's the that's the essence of, of foolishness. When had Jesus said, remember when the when the Pharisees or Sadducees who ever talked about divorce, he said, No, what God uh, well that, that's it. Sometimes God puts things together, okay? So he puts male and female together for a marriage. So so wisdom is not only recognizing what God has separated and made distinct, but also recognizing what God has put together. Uh, joined, God joined uh, some things together, like male and female, but he separated their distinctive identities, male, not male and female. So I think we're going to see that as we look at these different proverbs. We're going to see that uh, that wisdom is looking at a situation with clarity and seeing the distinctions in that situation and being able to uh, to make wise decisions through it. Um, let's see. Look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31. This was just such a helpful illustration uh, to me. Now. We're going to be at the end of Jeremiah 31. <coughs> now, we won't read it, but verses, but Jeremiah 31, 31 through uh, 34 is the statement of the new covenant. in verse 36 how the Lord assures Israel and now us that he will be remain faithful to the covenant this is really beautiful I think I got this from um, what verse 36 Jeremiah 31 35 Jeremiah 31 35 so this is following the new covenant thus the Lord says who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me. So do you see what God is saying? He's saying Israel, now to us in the, in the new covenant, he's saying Look at the created order. 
and look what I've done. I've got order and uh, distinctions and um, uh, stars and uh, this fixed order. Look at that and know that in the same way the fixed order is set for this for this age, know that if I've been faithful to keep that fixed order in place, then I'll be faithful to you to keep your promise, to keep my promises. So you know what that means. If you get up early enough and you get up before the sun comes up, the sun coming up is testimony of God's faithfulness because he's got a fixed order. And therefore, he's got laws and principles and wisdom for us that there's a fixed order for this for the situation that we find ourselves in. And that is what wisdom is. Confusion is when we are not able to see the fixed order of a situation, whether it's a marriage conflict or uh, whatever it may be. And there's confusion there. It's because we don't we need wisdom. We need to see what is the order in those in those things. Uh, and of course, that's using uh, using the word of God. Anybody have a thought or anything about that? Just without without order, there's chaos. Right. So when people try to change what God has decreed as this is the order of things then you see what happens in the chaos. You're right, Cheryl. Cheryl says, uh, without order, there's chaos. And boy, I mean, I don't know if any other generation has seen that like we're seeing it, the whole transgender thing. And, and by the way, uh, creation always trumps uh, political philosophy or human desire, always. Right? But we got to keep moving. But um, for what a mess we're in, but creation is going to prove that wrong. It may take a while, but it's beginning to do that then. Okay, um, just the last point there before we go to uh, uh, the chapter 9. God delights in wisdom. Wisdom delights in God and in His creation, especially in the children. Man, or you can see that back to, I'm sorry, let's go back to, to uh, Proverbs 8. And look at this really kind of a sweet statement there in Proverbs 8.30 and 31. Then I was beside him like a master workman. Notice these three ideas of joy and delight. I was daily his delight. So God delights in wisdom. Rejoicing before him always. So I had joy in God. And then wisdom also rejoicing in his inhabited world, in the, in the creation, and also delighting in the children of man. I found this quote that I thought was um, really good. This, I mean, just I, I couldn't say it the way this guy is. This is a Bartholomew. He says, There is a particularly comforting tone to Lady Wisdom's message. She assures us that there are patterns and norms within the human story and order and reliability and creation that we can fall back on in life. Uh, this woman testifies to the harmony and order of a large open landscape of freedom within form and life, within boundaries. It is less a matter of straight lines than of winding grooves. Every day is a new adventure 
which may be explored joyfully with wisdom uh, as our map. I, I've seen this more clearly than I ever have in my life before in, in things we're trying to do with biblical counseling. To have a person or a couple come in and just totally confused about life and about their situation and for them to see the scripture that brings order and clarity if they will apply it by God's grace to see that see that thing just become beautiful in that sense of the, that it takes on order and takes on uh, what it's supposed to be it's the, it's the order of creation brought into our lives through the order of God's word Okay, well, we got to do chapter 9. Well, just have six or eight minutes. <coughs> so that is chapter 8. Chapter 8 is, is uh, wisdom's final appeal of herself uh, to, the, to the youth and to the fools. Now, chapter 9 is uh, finally, notice, obviously this is chapter 9. It comes before chapter 10 when all the Proverbs begin. I just want to point out uh, two or three things for you there. Uh, and there's a distinction. There's three parts to chapter nine. There's verses one through six. That is uh, wisdom and, and her qualities, her characteristics. Skip the next section and then look at verses thirteen through eighteen. And this is the way of of uh, folly. So there's a clear distinction, and they're they are actually mirror images. What wisdom does, folly does exactly the opposite. And so Solomon is, uh, through the words of wisdom, he's making this uh, this final appeal. You've got to make a choice now. And so I just want you to see a couple of things here that, I, that I've learned from this study. Uh, let's just look at the way of wisdom and, and see a couple of things. Wisdom, this is Proverbs 9, 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. So this is a substantial building. I don't know what a seven is. I mean, that's a, a, a symbolic number, I would, as we've been hearing from Pastor Justin, the symbolic number of fullness. And so, but the point is, this house has pillars. This is a this is a, a, a established house. It reminds me of what Jesus said at the end of um, the Sermon on the Mount: "The wise person builds their house on a rock." It's an established house. So she's built this house. But the other thing she's done, uh, she's prepared a, uh, a feast. She's slaughtered her beast, she's mixed her wine, she's set the table, and now she sends out maidens into the community to invite people to come uh, to this feast. Well, doesn't it remind you of the parables of Jesus about the wedding feast that he had? Same, same kind of thing, it's not by accident. So here's the point, I think it's just really uh, by the way, if you look at Folly, doesn't even talk about her house. She just sits out in front of it, and and her uh, her feast is stolen bread. And, I mean, it's just it's so it's so different. But notice, um, so we've got these two things. We've got the house, then we have the feast. He said, "I built my house, and now I'm inviting you to the feast." And this fellow, uh, Bruce Walkie, who's kind of considered the Dominant, uh, contemporary scholar for Proverbs, he says this, wisdom's house is Proverbs 1 through 9. So he says to the young man, I've built my house. 
and we can go back and look at the principles, the things that are in that house. It talks about two ways, that is two worldviews, wisdom and folly. It talks about uh, the two big obstacles to that are easy money and easy sex. Uh, the big thing that wisdom talks about is wisdom is not so much understanding a group of um, a bunch of principles or ideas. Wisdom is a person, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. So wisdom um, has built this house, and now she's invited us to the feast. And Walkie says the house is this introduction, chapters 1 through 9. The feast is what's coming, chapters 10 through uh, through 31. So I just love to see that kind of order, you know, in, in this uh, in this book. Well, um, the, the confusing thing to me, and we need to finish up here, is what do you do with verses seven through twelve? They just don't seem to fit. They obviously do fit. This is the word of God, but. Uh, the first part of the chapter is the way of wisdom. The last part is the way of folly. And right in the middle is this, this discussion about the scoffer and the wise person and those kinds of things. I, and I never could find anybody that really gave me much help with it. I don't have Walkie's, uh, Walkie's um, commentary. So I think maybe he's saying, look, you're going to have to choose. Are you going to be a scoffer or are you going to be a wise person? I think that's what he's saying here. He puts that right between the two uh, the two pathways. Um, and then, boy, verse um, 10, I mean, verse 12 is really unusual. I couldn't find anybody that gave me good help on verse 12. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Um, my thought was, if you choose to be wise, uh, you will enjoy the benefits of wisdom for a lifetime. And, uh, but if you choose scoffing the, the foolish way, you'll bear the consequences that will end in a very lonely death. That's what I got out of that. All right, I'm going to read you this, this statement. Uh, this is from uh, Bartholomew and Odad. It'll, it'll be our closing to take us to chapter 10 next week. So listen as we close with this. Thus, as the first nine chapters come to a close, we are left with a picture that will guide our reading of the next 20 chapters. Wisdom is concerned with life lived according to the grain of creation. The sages are not philosophizing just about ethical concepts, but are also seeking to draw our lives into harmony with the created order. The key to such wise and harmonious living is the fear of the Lord. Faith in and obedience to Yahweh preconditions our access to God's cosmic designs. As such, Proverbs does not lead us into a natural theology or simple oneness with nature, but into a faith-seeking understanding of the creation and its limits. We alternate our gaze between God and His creation. The benefits for those who hearken to the call of wisdom are immense, sending us confidently and expectantly into the following chapters. So we'll head there next uh, week. And probably got to do the tongues and words as our first uh, topic of study. Thank you.